everybody. Dr. Josh Axe here. Welcome to my podcast and Facebook Live. Today, I have an awesome guest. It is Dr. Daniel Amen. You know, I've been following Dr. Amen for years. He is what I believe to be one of the world's uh, leaders in brain and neurological health. And you know, the Washington Post called Dr. Amen the most popular psychiatrist in America. And Discover Magazine listed his brain imaging research as the top neuroscience story of all of 2015. He's also a double board certified psychiatrist and a 10 times New York Times bestselling author. And again, he's a brilliant man. And today we're going to talk about everything from brain health supplements to uh, your mindset, to, to foods. Dr. Amen, hey, welcome to the show. Hi, Josh. What a joy to see you again. Yeah, good to see you as well. I know I was recently on your show and excited to have you on mine now. And again, I've been watching, you know, I think the first thing time I saw you was on a PBS special. And I was so impressed with your TV show and you showing your, your brain scans and talking about how to holistically and naturally support and boost brain health. How did you get more into some of the more natural forms of, you know, using food and other things that are natural in terms of supporting a brain and neurological health? When I started looking at the brain in 1991 with a study called SPECT, um, it just changed everything. Um, I did, you know, I'm a classically trained psychiatrist. So I was, I learned how to make diagnoses based on symptom clusters and then medicate people. But when I started looking at the brain, I'm like, uh-oh, some of the medications I was using actually made the brain look toxic. And it really worried me. And I remember in medical school, the first thing they teach you is first do no harm, use the least toxic, most effective treatments. And so then I began to look for other things to treat depression, anxiety, ADHD, addictions. And too often physicians say, oh, there's no science behind using diet and supplements. And my response now is, do you read? There's all sorts of science. And I have a new book called The End of Mental Illness. And there's actually a chapter in the book called Mind Medicines Versus Nutraceuticals. What does the science say? And there's over 286 scientific references showing A-level scientific evidence, which means more than two randomized placebo-controlled trials um, showing that things like omega-3 fatty acids, saffron, SAMI, um, have significant science to optimize brain function. And then there's uh, many studies on diet and exercise showing how they can optimize the physical functioning of the brain. Wow, it's amazing. You know, I, uh, you mentioned several things there that I know we'll get into as we talk about supplements and foods and everything else. You know, talk to me a little bit about your brain scans, because I know that's one of the things you do that's so unique is being able to actually look at someone's brain. What, 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 what is the technology you're using for these brain scans? And also, what, what are some of the things, surprising things you can see? Like one of my questions would be, like, are you able to see some of these uh, problems maybe before somebody has them, everything from like dementia to memory issues or to brain fog. You know, talk to, talk to us about your brain scans. 
So again, we do a study called SPECT, Single Photon Emission Computed Tomography. And SPECT's technology that's been around for 30 years. And it looks at how the brain works. So it's different than a CAT scan or an MRI. They look at the brain structure. SPECT looks at function. So it's sort of like looking at a car engine. An MRI will tell you what the engine actually physically looks like, SPECT is, well, how does it work when you turn it on? It's a nuclear medicine study, and we actually get to look at living tissue. And SPECT is easy to understand. It basically tells us three things. Which areas of the brain have good activity, too little activity, or too much? And then our job is to balance it. And um, before I went to medical school, I was an x-ray technician. And our professors used to always say, how do you know unless you look? So I was an infantry medic, but realized I didn't like being shot at. So I became an x-ray technician. And that theme of how do you know unless you look became just part of who I was. And then when I decided to be a psychiatrist, because someone I loved tried to kill herself. And I took her to see a wonderful psychiatrist and I came to realize if he helped her, it wouldn't just help her. It would help ultimately help her children and even her grandchildren. So I fell in love with psychiatry because I realized it has the potential to change generations of people, but I fell in love with the only medical specialty that never looks at the organ it treats knew it was wrong. And so the early part of my career, I was looking for a way to look at the brain. I mean, obviously for psychiatry, the brain is our organ. And when I started doing SPECT, it just changed everything I did um, from decreasing the amount of medication I prescribed. And then one of the big lessons is mild traumatic brain injury ruins people's lives and nobody knows about it because mental health professionals never look at the brain. And so I did the world's first and largest study on active and retired NFL players. We've scanned more than 300 NFL players, high levels of damage. It's just like own it. It's a brain damaging sport. Um, but the exciting news, and I published a study on this, 80% of our players get better when we put them on a rehabilitation program, which is basically teach them to love their brain and then a high quality multiple vitamin, high dose, high quality fish oil, and then a supplement that actually works in six different ways to optimize the brain and we publish before and after scans, before and after cognitive studies showing significant improvement, which gets me so excited because that's the message of my life. You are not stuck with the brain you have. You can make it better and I can prove it. Wow, I love that. I mean, I love being able to see, you know, I, I noticed this when I used to run my uh, functional medicine clinic years ago, Dr. Amen, I, I saw these people coming in and they would get tests done for things like high cholesterol or high blood pressure or a certain thyroid marker. You know, in my clinic, I always ran things like a micronutrient test 
and food sensitivities and food allergies. And or uh, we would do a fatty acid test to look at their, you know, the, the you know where their omega levels were and all kinds of other other exams that I felt like it really showed a little bit more of hey what people are missing, not not necessarily something that was going to lead to always treating a symptom, but I love that you're able to actually get, you're able to do testing that really matters. And as we're talking about brain health, you've mentioned trauma, you know, everything from, especially things like football, car accidents, these things obviously cause brain and neurological trauma. Talk to me about diet. Does diet play a role? If somebody's eating unhealthy foods, does that, does that cause, you know, how does that affect the brain? And then my other question would, would be, if it does, then what are those big foods we need to stay away from? So in the end of mental illness, there's actually a chapter called Mind. Now it's called um, Food Made Insanely Simple. Um, and there's a whole chapter because if you want to end mental illness, you have to get your diet right. Um, there's this fascinating study from Australia where they looked at two outer islands. One of them had fast food restaurants. The other one didn't. And then you just mentioned the omega-3 index, checking for omega-3 fatty acid composition. So they did that. And in the island with fast food restaurants, significantly low levels of omega-3 fatty acids in their blood and five times the level of depression. It's the food. There's another study also from Australia that there is a linear correlation between the number of fruits and vegetables you eat a day and your level of happiness, up to eight. So if you eat eight servings of fruits and vegetables a day, you're happier than if you had six and you're happier than if you have six, then you have four and so on. So food is incredibly important. And I want people to think of the brain like it's an organ, like it's an actual physical organ, and that when you feed it right, it works right. Just like your heart, just like your liver, just like your kidneys, you have to give it the nutrition it needs in order for it to work the best. Wow. So what are the biggest offenders that are really going to cause issues? So you, you talked a little bit about, hey, we need fruits and vegetables, but what are some of the foods that people really need to stay away from? Like what are your top three or five offenders? So um, I just posted something on Facebook Live last night on how to avoid the second uh, pandemic wave that's coming. And you, you know the risk factors for dying from COVID are the same risk factors that steal your mind, that increase your risk of things like depression and Alzheimer's disease. And the one I talk about is diabetes, where you're both overweight and you have a high blood sugar. And so number one on my list is sugar and then foods that quickly turn to sugar, bread, pasta, potatoes, rice, um, all quickly turn to sugar. They have something called a high glycemic index. And so getting our blood sugar right is absolutely essential to having a healthy brain because did you know that 50%, 50% of the US population 
is either diabetic or pre-diabetic. That wow. should just horrify us. And it could be one of the reasons that the United States has the most people dying from this infection, even though um, there are other countries that have much larger populations than we do, you know, for example, India. So I think sugar and foods that quickly turn to sugar and then processed foods, uh, because all of them are loaded with unhealthy soy products, unhealthy corn products. Um, and, and I'm just not a fan of foods raised with pesticides. Um, and people go, but why? It's, they're virtually in everything. And it's because anything that kills bugs, most people don't really understand. You have 100 trillion bugs in your gut. And those bugs are making neurotransmitters. They're detoxifying your food. Um, they're helping in so many ways that to damage your microbiome, you're damaging your brain. There's a huge brain-gut connection that we need to talk about more. Wow. To talk a little bit more about this uh, brain-gut connection, I've heard you talk about it. I know our good friend, Dr. David Perlmutter, has talked about it. So, so to talk to us about how, what is this connection? How, how does our gut health or our microbiome actually affect our, our, our brain? So a large percentage of neurotransmitters are actually made in your gut. And so if your gut health is not right, it decreases the availability of neurotransmitters. And I know you know about leaky gut. So leaky gut is where that single cell lining of your intestinal tract becomes porous. And so things start getting inside your body that actually will cause allergic reactions and inflammation and may lead to things like brain fog, anxiety, and depression. Did you know that children that are given antibiotics actually have a higher incidence of anxiety and depression as adults? And so I ask my patients always, did you have a lot of antibiotics? as a child, so maybe they had a lot of ear infections or they had tubes in their ears, and that can actually increase their vulnerability to mental health issues uh, growing up. And if you're a C-section baby, um, you're just more likely to be hyperactive, restless, impulsive, because your microbiome initially didn't get populated, which is what happens when you go through the birth canal or when you're breastfed. And, and I'm so worried now because of COVID-19, everybody's freaked out, everybody's cleaning. And as we're doing that, and I know you wrote Eat Dirt, they're going to there's not going to be as much eating of dirt because parents are so anxious and so afraid. And they're not even thinking about the toxins in the cleaning products that whatever goes on your skin goes in your body and affects your body. And so I digress, but you know, just some of the important things I'm thinking about.
Yeah, you know, a couple of things there that's just so interesting. I just saw the number of hospitalizations of people from toxicity has gone up dramatically because so many people are using high levels of bleach and other other chemicals all throughout their house. And so there have been a lot more ho hospitalizations for that reason, which is crazy. And I remember that, you know, the first time I, uh, when I first opened my my clinic in Nashville, which which I no longer practice, but when I had it, I uh, I worked a lot within the um, uh, ASD, the Autistic Spectrum Disorder community, and I remember just seeing this gut brain connection. It was amazing when we started to work with their diet and a lot of the things that you recommended on repairing and supporting the gut. All of a sudden, behavior got dramatically better. It was really really incredible to see uh, how that affect the body. Well, and you know, in the early '90s when I started scanning people, I, I think one of my best gifts is having an open mind and listening to my patients. And I had a patient go off gluten and dairy, an autistic patient, and the next week they had 50 words that they didn't have before. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what that's about. And both gluten and dairy, when they combine with stomach acid, produce something called exorphins that actually work on the heroin or the morphine centers of the brain. And so I'm like, oh, that's why people love cheese and would never even think of giving up bread. They're in love. Uh, I mean, they're literally in love like they'd be in love with a drug. And so I find that when I change their diet, often, you know, it's like, you know, let's for a month do an elimination diet. Let's just get rid of gluten and dairy, corn, soy, um, sugar, artificial dyes and preservatives. That has had stunning results for just so many people. And, and you know, initially there's resistance to it because once the brain does something, it's going to want to do it again. But if I can get people to really focus on brain healthy foods, it can make a radical difference. I mean, just an example, um, corn can be allergic for some people. And I had this guy who um, had been depressed literally for 30 years. He'd been suicidal, had suicide attempts, he had ECT, and he's like, okay, at Amen Clinics, they do things differently. They actually want to look at your brain. And I'm like, you know, we should really try an elimination diet just for a month. And, you know, he'd suffered so much, he's like, okay. And within three weeks, he's dramatically better. And we're like, well, let's start adding things back to see if we can find the culprit. We added back gluten, nothing happened. Added back dairy, nothing happened. Added back corn. And he said within 20 minutes, he had a vision of putting a gun in his mouth and pulling the trigger. And I'm like, wow, you should break up with corn. Wow. And so he broke up with corn and people go, oh, but I can't. I love popcorn, but it doesn't love you back. And one of the things I tell my patients all the time, you know, I love ice cream. I love sugar. I, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, well, you're in an abusive relationship. You love wow. something that hurts you. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in a bad relationship, but I've been in bad relationships and I'm not doing it anymore at my age. And I'm for sure not doing it with food.
Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's, it's a, it's a fantastic analogy and it's a, uh, very true analogy. Let's talk about some of the, some of the foods that really are so critical to brain health. What, what are some of the, you know, foods in all categories, maybe vegetables, fruits, nuts, seeds, or in other things, like what are, what, what are some of your top brain building foods that people should try and focus on, uh, getting on a regular basis? So foods that are high in omega-3 fatty acids. And unfortunately, you can't just get them from plants. Uh, EPA and DHA are critical to brain function. And it's, it takes 10 times the amount of flaxseed oil to equate to fish oil. Mm. So I'm a big fan of fish and omega-3 supplements. I published a study showing low function in the hippocampus, one of the main um, mood and memory structures in the brain when people had low levels of omega-3 fatty acids. And what's really interesting, and, and a lot of people don't know this, that you know, people think of DHA, one of the components of omega-3 and the brain, and EPA and the heart, except EPA has been found to be really helpful for ADHD and depression, and DHA is not helpful at all for ADHD and depression. So I like that ratio of um, 60, 40 EPA to DHA, and it's what you find in fish. And my friend Cyrus Raji published a study on people who ate grilled or baked fish once a week had more gray matter in their brain. That's a really good thing. So um, wild or sustainably raised fish, really important. And then colorful fruits and vegetables. The more colors you can get, the more medicine is actually involved in the plants uh, and fruit that you're eating. And I like people to have three times the amount of vegetables to fruit uh, because fruit sugar still can be problematic. And whenever you unwrap um, sugar from its fiber source, it actually turns toxic in your body. And so that's why I'm not a fan of orange juice, but I'm a huge fan of oranges. I'm not a fan of grapefruit juice, but I'm a huge fan of grapefruits. I love it. Great advice. So get your omega-3s and get your colorful fruits and vegetables for brain health. Man, that's great advice. Dr. Axe here to talk to you about bone broth protein from Ancient Nutrition, the whole food supplement brand I co-founded with Jordan Rubin. One big nutritional gap in our modern day diet is we're missing compounds from real homemade bone broth, including the compounds collagen, glucosamine, chondroitin, and hyaluronic acid. You know, I spent years in my clinic from 2007 to 2014 recommending bone broth. The problem was it takes nearly 24 hours to make from scratch, and most people don't have time for that. 
And that's why I formulated bone broth protein. Bone broth protein comes from dehydrated bone broth, just like you make at home. And it turns into a convenient, easy to use powder that provides nutrients to help your joints, your skin, and supports a healthy gut. It's easy to mix into water, your favorite nut milk, or many recipes. Personally, I love to use chocolate bone broth protein in my morning smoothies with some berries and almond milk. It tastes amazing. Give bone broth protein a try today simply by searching online, whether it be Google or Amazon, Ancient Nutrition Bone Broth Protein. Um, so one of the other things, you mentioned this earlier, I'd love to talk about supplements for just a minute. So I know there are so many different supplements out there for brain health, but, but what, what are some of the top ones? You mentioned a multi earlier, you mentioned you know, a few others, but go, go through your top supplements and why they're essential uh, or why most people, I shouldn't say, why most people should be taking these. I think most people should take a multiple vitamin mineral supplement because we just have large scale deficiencies in things like magnesium and choline and potassium. Um, B vitamins are absolutely essential for brain function. And now during a pandemic, your best defense against COVID-19 is your immune system. And if you want to strengthen your immune system, vitamin C, zinc, and one of my favorites is vitamin D. There's actually a meta-analysis on 25 randomized placebo-controlled trials showing that vitamin D decreases acute respiratory syndromes. And there's a brand new study out of Indonesia on people who died from COVID-19. And one of the significant findings was they had significantly low vitamin D levels. So I think everybody should know their vitamin D level, like you know your blood pressure. And odds are, as a population, the RDA is just woefully uh, inadequate I think people need anywhere from two to 10,000 for some people, uh, international units a day. But you know what I tell my patients, we need to measure it, know where you are, and then optimize it. For me personally, um, when I learned about vitamin D, um, I measured mine, normals between 30 and 100, Mine was 17. And people under 20 have double the risk of cancer of those that are over 40. So I was horrified. And I just had my level checked last week. It was 73. I felt so proud of myself. Um, we need to get the nutrients we need. And vitamin D is critical. And then an omega-3 fatty acid supplement. I did a study on 50 consecutive patients who came to Amen Clinics. 49 of them had suboptimal levels of omega-3 fatty acids. So multiple vitamin, omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin D. And then it really depends on your brain type. Um, I have a free brain type assessment people go to brainhealthassessment.com. It'll tell you which of the 16 brain types you have based on our brain imaging work. 
It's like, well, who's the person that goes on Miami at the beginning of a pandemic, Miami Beach? That's my spontaneous type, it's type two. Versus who's the person that's obsessively cleaning using the cleaning products we just talked about? Well, that's type three, it's our persistent people. Or who are the um, people that have planned for this pandemic for years? So our preppers, that's my wife. Um, so we have the whole you know, end of the world room and forever, Josh, I'm gonna hear, I told you so. I am never gonna be able to say no to whatever she, she wants to get yeah, Tanya, again she, she, for the room. She, she's awesome, <laughs> I love that. Oh man, that's great. Okay, so we got the big ones here for everybody and you can go to, do you say uh, free brain assessment? brainhealthassessment.com and they can take that for free and know which of the 16 types and then for each type their supplements so if you tend to be spontaneous we like supplements that stimulate your prefrontal cortex to get you better blood flow so you make better decisions. So I like rhodiola, ashwagandha, ginseng, um, green tea, and I've done before and after imaging studies show how they support brain function. If you're the worrier and you can't let go of negative thoughts, I have something called serotonin mood support with saffron and 5-HTP and B6. So supplements geared toward brain types. You know, one size doesn't fit everybody. I learned that from our imaging. Depression's a symptom cluster. It doesn't tell you what's going on in the brain. There are 10 different types of depression. And then one of my most popular public television specials was called Change Your Brain, Change Your Body, where I'm like, you know, the reason most diets don't work is that it's one size fits everybody. It's why Prozac doesn't work for everyone. One diet's not going to work for everyone because we have impulsive overeaters, compulsive overeaters, wildly different brains, sad overeaters, anxious overeaters. Um, so it's know your type and then eat for your brain type, but also supplements for your brain type. I love it. One of the things I was going to ask you about was herbs. You mentioned several there, saffron, which is calming and anti-inflammatory. You've got, you know, rosemary and many of the others. Talk to me about just a couple herbs. And if you want to add, add any, that'd be great. Uh, you know, a couple are, that I was interested in hearing you talk about is uh, ginkgo biloba and bacopa. Any, and, you know, have you recommended those herbs for any type of, uh, you know, brain health, ginkgo or... So I love ginkgo. And the, why do I love ginkgo? There's actually a spec study showing increases blood flow to the brain. And the prettiest brains I've ever seen are from people who take ginkgo. Now, SPECT is a blood flow study. And, you know, when I notice that in my patients, I'm like, oh, I have to take this. And uh, I, I really like it. But you know, in large scale studies go, oh, ginkgo's not great for preventing Alzheimer's. Right, because Alzheimer's is not one thing. You know, the idea that we're going to fix a disorder like that with a single medicine or a single nutrient is not smart because the brain doesn't get sick in one way, 
And so it will never get better in one way. And on spec, I can tell years, probably decades, before you have any symptoms if your brain is headed for trouble. So that's one of the huge benefits of SPEC because it's a leading indicator of trouble as opposed to an MRI, which is a lagging indicator of trouble. And so um, in my new book, The End of Mental Illness, I say, if you want to keep your brain healthy or rescue it if it's headed to the dark place, you have to prevent or treat the 11 major risk factors that steal your mind. We know what they are. And I have a mnemonic called Bright Minds. And so the B in Bright Minds is for blood flow. Low blood flow is the number one brain imaging predictor of Alzheimer's disease. And one of the strategies to raise blood flow is ginkgo, also rosemary, cayenne, pepper, oregano have also been shown hmm. to increase blood flow to the brain. Wow, I love that. Great advice. And using the, you know, these herbs have been used for thousands of years, some of them for brain health, especially ginkgo. I love that. T talk, talk to me about, Dr. Amen, uh, switching gears a little bit, sleep. How important is sleep? In your research, have you come across any link to the amount of sleep you get, quality of sleep, and how that affects the brain? It's critical. The S in Bright Minds is for sleep. If you get less than seven hours of sleep at night, it actually turns off 700 health-promoting genes. And so it is critical. During this pandemic, everybody's been asking me about my routine and how I stay sane and healthy. And I don't start with the morning, I start at night because today started with last night, that if I get a good night's sleep, then I'm much more likely to do a healthy routine during the day. So I really think of it as foundational and we should avoid anything that hurts sleep. So think caffeine, alcohol, exercising close to bedtime, a warm room, a noisy room, a light room, room with light, all of those things. Um, and not being mentally disciplined, watching the news at night, worst possible thing. So what I do, I have a ritual where I'll say a prayer and then I'll go, what went well today? So I put myself to sleep every night by just asking myself, that question. And the coolest thing is like you, I'm busy and, and I'll often sort of glaze over some of the truly awesome things that happen in my day. But now I have a process where before I sleep, mm. I review what great things happened that day. And that sets my dreams up to actually be more positive. I love that. In fact, of all the interviews I've done, this is one of the this tip is one of the best I've ever heard. It's really fantastic thinking about your brain and how you're renewing your mind, thinking on the positive, you know, and uh, man, I just love that. That is such great advice. On a similar topic, talk to you about stress and also emotional health, how that affects the brain. Because I know today, as we're talking about COVID-19, a lot of people go to this place, Dr. Amen, of fear, worry, 
anxiety and just thinking about all the things that can go wrong. And then you have another group of people that start thinking, you know, they, they, they have what you maybe hope and faith and thinking about uh, how things can, you know, anyways, all that being said, I could go on, but just saying, how does just generally emotional stress affect us and positive emotions affect our brains? So I've actually done studies on this. And when you focus on what's wrong in your life, it actually drops the function in three critical areas of the brain. It drops your frontal lobe function. So you're more likely to make a bad decision. It drops the function in your hippocampus. So your memory and mood is not going to be good. And it drops function in your cerebellum to your coordination, but also thought coordination and processing speed is going to go down. And chronic exposure to stress hormones, so think of a pandemic, actually been shown to kill cells in the hippocampus. And the hippocampus is Greek for seahorse. And it's one of the very special areas of your brain that continue to make new neurons throughout life. And so my brain produces about 700 new baby hippocampal cells, or I think of them as baby seahorses. And my habits are either growing them so they can be incorporated into the big seahorse or murdering them. And chronic stress hurts them. So all of us should, it's so funny, Miley Cyrus is one of my patients and she was on Fallon talking about this. And she said, Dr. Amon knew I was an animal lover. And when he used the seahorse analogy, I had to stop drinking. <laughs> it was so funny. But so what can you do? Mental hygiene is as important as washing your hands. We all need to disinfect our thoughts and kill the ants, the automatic negative thoughts that steal our happiness. So I'm also a child psychiatrist, so I have puppets. Here's an ant puppet. And we have to get rid of these guys, automatic negative thoughts. They infest your brain, they damage your brain, and they make you sad, mad, and unhappy. And so all of us need to develop an internal anteater. <laughs> and here's the exercise. Whenever you feel sad, whenever you feel mad, whenever you feel nervous or out of control, write down what you're thinking. And then ask yourself, is it true? Can I absolutely know that that's true? And then challenge your brain. I mean, Josh, I don't know when you were a teenager if you were good at talking back to your parents. I was excellent. Good. My parents will swear to that. I was excellent. But, you know, no one ever taught me to talk back to myself, to challenge the nonsense in my head. And often just writing the opposite of your worry and then asking yourself if the opposite of your worry may not be true. I mean, let me give you an example. Both my mom and dad, um, 88 and 90, got COVID-19 pneumonia. And I tested them. They showed up positive for it. 
Um, I put them on hydroxychloroquine, which I know is controversial, although that's an interesting, irritating discussion, um, why politics are involved in medicine. It's always a bad thing. Anyways, um, and then they went to the hospital and I couldn't visit them, which is just heartbreaking from, you know, a child's standpoint, and it's happening all over the world. And I had trouble sleeping, and the thought was my mom and dad are going to die. And But I've been teaching people for 40 years how to manage their minds. And so I wrote it down, and I went, well, is that true? And they, in the hospital, they had good medical care. They weren't on ventilators. I started the hospital, continued the medication. And so I wrote, they're not going to die, right? I challenged the thought and the statistics has the news are giving them to you are terrible that people in their age group with pre-existing conditions have a 10 to 27% chance of dying. That's what we knew at the time. And I'm always teaching my patients reframing well, that actually meant they had a 73 to 90% chance of walking out of the hospital. So just managing my mind helped me manage the stress. And five days later, they came out of the hospital and they've actually been on the front page of the Orange County Register, the Los Angeles Times, Entertainment Tonight did a story on them. Um, so grateful that I didn't have to give in to the ants that were stealing my mind. The other thing that's happening now is people have not come to grips with death and the pandemic is making them do that, which is driving anxiety. But it's a very important mental hygiene skill um, because it's actually the denial of death that causes people to live um, meaningless lives because when you think you're going to live forever you put off the things you know you should do today wow thanks so much for sharing that uh you know i know that i've learned so much during this interview i loved uh, your advice on talking about uh you know the same nutrients that support brain health actually many of them are effective at supporting our immune systems you talk about vitamin d is so critical. You talked about the omega-3 fatty acid. You talked about the multi and some of the nutrients in there from B vitamins to vitamin C and so many others. And I want to encourage everybody, take action. Also, Dr. Amen talked about, get your omega-3s, eat wild-caught seafood, eat foods like walnuts that have a little bit in there as well, and then get your colored fruits and vegetables there as well. And I want to encourage everybody, check out Dr. Amen's new book. It's called The End of Mental Illness. You know it's a good one because he's written 10 New York Times best-selling books. And I've, I've watched him teach on PBS and other shows and have been so impressed by what he's taught. But again, go to Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, right now and check out his new book, The End of Mental Illness. If you want to learn the top foods, supplements, and other lifestyle things you can do to support your brain and take your health to the next level, I want to say, Dr. Amen, uh, man, I just love talking to you. Thanks for your brilliant advice. Thanks, Josh. So great to be with you. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening and joining the podcast today. And thanks for everybody who joined us via Facebook Live. And thanks again to Dr. Amen for his fantastic advice. And again, excited about his new book. Check it out, The End of Mental Illness. Have a great week, everybody. 
Okay, so if you have a favorite part of this episode, make sure to go to my recent Instagram post and let me know what your favorite part of the show was on the Instagram post. Go there right now. Also, hey, don't forget to follow me uh, my handle, it's at Dr. Josh Axe on Instagram. I cover the latest health news in natural medicine, talk about everything from essential oils to herbs and spices, and how to naturally support your body in healing. Also, do me a big favor. If you loved this podcast, go to iTunes right now and leave a five-star rating. If you loved anything about this show, I so appreciate you being on mission with me to help transform the health of this world. I'll see you next week. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed in this podcast are not medical advice and have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The products and ingredients discussed in this podcast are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you believe you may have a medical condition, please consult your doctor. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guests' qualifications or credibility. In some cases, individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein.